following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. I'll tell a story if you want. It's a story they can use with their kids. Oh, please do. That sounds great. All right. I have a a tape that has a bunch of animal stories that all have a moral or philosophical point. Uh, uh, I love animals, and so uh, this one you can use with your kids. They'll love it, and uh, you can make a point out of it. You ask your child, do dogs like bones? And uh, almost everybody, when I ask that in audiences, everybody goes, oh, yeah, dogs love bones. And then I go, no, they don't. They like steak, and they just settle for bones. And I say, you don't have to believe me. Imagine that uh, the dogs are setting the table. they got the skirts on, the trousers on. They're putting the silverware out there. They're putting the food out there. Who do you think would end up with the bones? It would probably be us. They keep the steak for themselves. Now, it's not that dogs dislike bones. The key point is that they settle for bones. What happens is they get fed bones, 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 and they start settling for bones. They say, oh, I think I like bones. Bones, 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 bones. I think I like bones. And they settle for bones rather than going for steak. And so then the key question you start working with people on is, what are you settling for? In other words, in a, in a marriage, somebody on the phone was mentioned about marriage when you start homeschooling. You'd be in a good marriage, and if what you experience year after year after year is good marriage, good marriage, good marriage, it's relatively easy to start settling for a good marriage rather than create a spectacular one. You know, with your kids, you know, they, they maybe get certain performance on their tests or whatever when they're homeschooling, and, and they go, ah, it's pretty good, and they start settling for good rather than doing spectacular. And so the question you want to start working with is, what are you settling for? So that's a little animal story you can share with your kids or your spouse or whoever it seems appropriate with. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be good, Brian. Yep. So you've been listening to Brian Clemmer. Uh, Brian Clemmer has been professionally speaking and doing workshops for over 27 years around the world, Japan, Spain, Philippines, Norway, Mexico, Sweden, Canada, and throughout the United States. He is the founder and CEO of Clemmer & Associates, a leadership and character development company whose client list includes a dozen network marketing companies and well-recognized names such as Aetna Healthcare, General Electric, Hewlett-Packard, Walt Disney, uh, Los Angeles Federal Credit Union, and the Suzuki Motor Company. Uh, he is a West Point graduate, has a master's degree, and is a professional member of the National Speaker Association. Uh, Brian is a regular keynote speaker at conventions and is author of the best-selling international book, If How-Tos Were Enough, We Would All Be Skinny, Rich, and Happy. So uh, please help me welcome Brian Clemmer. Thanks, well, Rebecca. Thank you very much for being with us. This next hour, we're going to be talking about um, bettering our marriage and our relationships with children. I love the story you just told. Oh, thanks. That's a, it's one of my favorites, too, not just because I love dogs, but I think that it's very easy, and especially uh, coming from the United States, uh, we have it so good. We're so blessed that uh, we start settling for good rather than going for spectacular. It's a, it's a, it's a message that I think a lot of people need to hear. And with homeschoolers, we tend to have pretty close uh, marriages and uh, close relationships with our children and our children with their siblings. And now um, the point of this call is how we can take good and make it even better, more spectacular. Exactly. So you've been on the stage with Zig Ziglar, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, Robert Kiyosaki, who was our guest earlier this morning, 
a very impressive list of who's who, yet you don't like being called a motivational speaker. Why is that? Um, it's not that I'm against motivation, but motivation never lasts. I don't care uh, how pumped up you get, and you do get pumped up in those, and understand I still do it when I'm at conventions. If you only have a half hour and you have a large audience, it's about all you can do. But uh, you're all pumped up, you're excited, and then on the way home your car breaks down. I don't care who you are. You can be the most enlightened person in the world. You're no longer motivated. So it's it's uh, motivation is a short-term fix. Nothing wrong with it, but you need to go into it knowing that it's a short-term fix. And, and I'm about long-term fixes, and uh, that requires an inside-out approach instead of an outside-in approach. Well, you, you mentioned before when I heard you speak that belief systems are the key to all change, whether it's relationships or financial or health. Can you explain that a little further? Boy, that is the secret of the ages, and it's not a secret like people don't talk about it. It's just uh, people really don't get it. But once they get it, it, it's it's kind of like waking up and discovering that you're uh, in a matrix, if you've ever seen that movie. That yeah, I like to tell people, and it shocks them at first. That ninety nine percent of all our decisions we don't make. We don't uh, we don't decide if we're in sales, how much we uh, prospect, let alone how we prospect. If we're homeschooling, little decisions like how do we listen to our children, or how do we talk to our children, how do we uh, how do we communicate with each other in a in a in a marriage, or or how we attempt to be intimate in a marriage. Most of those decisions are being made by our belief systems and. Uh, the analogy that you talked about earlier that I like to use is uh, if a person was to imagine they were born with her, let's use me. Let's say I was born I was born 55 years ago, and let's say I came out of the womb day one wearing a tiny pair of tiny dark green sunglasses. Kind of a ridiculous uh, analogy, and I'm certainly not trying to make it more painful on the women on the call, but it's just <laughs> an analogy. I, I come out of the womb, and I'm wearing these tiny dark green sunglasses, very appropriate since I'm in Maui right now with the uh, sun shining. And uh, now imagine, and this is really a key point, that in 55 years, I have never had the sunglasses off. I golf with them. I swim with them. Uh, I, I go to sleep with them. I make phone calls with them. I've never had them off, so I don't realize that they're not part of me. And now if I was looking at a piece of paper that's uh, uh, in front of me right now, I would obviously say that the piece of paper is green. And now let's say, Rebecca, you try and help me out. You're a friend, and you say, gosh, uh, uh, let me help you out. I, I see the piece of paper, and it's really not green. It's white. Well, you could be the wisest person in the world, and I'm just going to argue with you. I'm going to say, Rebecca, you don't know what you're talking about. Better go get your eyes checked. Uh, any fool can see it's green. And you could get as excited as you want. You could jump up and down, be, use all your motivation to try and help me, and go, Brian, it's white. I'm still going to maintain it's green. And, in fact, you could call me every day for a year and say, Brian, you remember that piece of paper? Yeah, it's white, 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 white. I'd still say it's green. And, really, there's nothing you can do like that that's going to change my viewpoint. I'm going to maintain it's green. It's, I could even want to see it as white. I can't. Now, if I realize there's something called sunglasses, and I go looking for them, and I bump into them, and I take them off my head, which only takes a fraction of a second, in that fraction of a second, I have a revelation. All of a sudden, something is revealed to me. I couldn't see seconds before, in this case, white. 
and and that's the sunglasses are your belief systems. There's a uh, there's an old line in the Book of Proverbs: "As a man or woman thinketh in their heart, so are they." Well. It's those sunglasses we have in our heart, the belief systems we have in our heart. We got belief systems around money. We have belief systems around control. We have belief systems around what responsibility is. We have belief systems around commitment that, that even determine how our children study. All those, you know, the, the effort that our kids put into it or don't put into it, uh, how they listen to us or don't listen to us are all determined by belief systems that they get as they grow up with us in the household. So let's talk then about what you feel is the biggest belief system or sunglasses in relationships. Boy, I've spent 30 years working on this one. I'm still working on it. Uh, we'll put it in simple terms, and, and hopefully somebody might uh, pick up a copy of my book, If How-Tos Were Enough, Would All Be Skinny, Rich, and Happy. That's the book that this particular concept is in. And uh, it's available on Amazon.com or our website, Clemmer.com. Uh, if the people listening have put down three R's, that's what we call it, the three R's. Now, you're and not referring to reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, but it sure sounds like that, especially with a homeschooled audience on the line, huh? But it, <laughs> no, it's a, it's, but it's one that's, from my viewpoint, as important as those R's that you were just talking about. This stands for resentment, resistance, and revenge. Let me give a, a few definitions to those words and then, uh, we'll play around with it a little bit, and then we'll get into solutions, and, and then we get some questions and answers here. I define resentment as any emotion, any negative emotional reaction to what we think was said or done. Kind of a mouthful and a very broad definition, but it's any negative emotional reaction to what we think was said or done. Uh, that could be uh, frustration, irritation, sadness, anger, jealousy, you name it. Resistance I define as putting up a wall or cutting off communication. You can do that a lot of ways. You can, so in other words, resentment, uh, maybe you and I have a discussion, Rebecca, and, and, and I get a little miffed at your tone of voice. So I'm in resentment and now resistance is maybe I don't call you for a week or two. That would be resistance. A parent and a child. I mean, this happens. Kids tease the other kids. Somebody gets mad. Uh, you discipline your child. Nobody likes to be disciplined. They get mad. They they get mad at themselves that they're not as smart as their brother or sister. That's the first R, resentment. Then resistance could show up as not just not talking. It could be that they put up a, a wall or a barrier to communication by wasting time in front of the TV. Or they have feelings they don't know how to deal with, and so they overeat. Or they procrastinate. Uh, use drugs. There's a thousand ways that we go into resistance. And then I define revenge as, uh, very simply, the attempt, that's the key word in that definition, the attempt to get even or settle the score. And so, uh, again, maybe we're, um, uh, the child gets mad at the parent for whatever, they stop communicating, and then they try and get even. They goof off on their studies or something like that. Or uh, the Let's say the parent gets mad at the child. The child isn't being cooperative. Uh, they start shutting down their feelings, and then they make a little snide comment, a little dig, you know, that uh, just to just to get even and kind of, you know, I'm feeling bad and so are you. And uh, uh, and it, this is such a simple thing, but it's it is. In fact, one of the things that if people are taking notes on this, that I'd like them to put in their notes because if they don't get this, it it kind of ruins the whole. Uh, 
value of this is that the three R's is very self-destructive. It hurts the person that goes through this. And so uh, uh, we think we're justified in their feelings. We think we're justified in attempting to get even and all that. But the problem is it's it's like uh trying to change the other person by drinking poison it it this thing is literally a killer it doesn't marriages get into this over little things you know one person squeezes the toothpaste tube in the middle the other one likes it neatly rolled up from the other end you know then all of a sudden they're not communicating one rolls over to one side of the bed one rolls over the other side of the bed and, and it's easy to see how that's self destructive i mean it just it, it ruins the marriage we're in so it's a it's a very i mean in the corporate world i deal in a lot uh, you get labor and management. There's budget cutbacks. Nobody likes them. And well, gosh, look at the hockey league. That uh, last year, players got mad at the owners for making too much money. Owners got mad at the players for making too much money, and they put themselves out of a job for the entire year. Lost billions of dollars, hundreds of thousands individually. So it's it's. Uh, uh, Sometimes when I do this in seminars, we do little skits where people have fun with it because it's it's such a killer thought process. Uh, sometimes we have to take humor so that we're we're willing to take a look at how we're in it. You know, we we all I still get into the three R's. It's just now I recognize it quicker and I I have tools to get myself out of it. Well, can you honestly not have any resentment? Uh, you know, that's a that's a great one right there. I I happen to be a born again Christian, and a lot of times. Uh, people will have a set of sunglasses, a belief, a map, a paradigm, if you will, that resentment is bad, that there's something wrong with it. The problem with that belief just there, that resentment is bad, is there's no way you're going to live in the physical world that we live in. I don't care how much you love your partner in the marriage. I don't care how much you love your kids. You're going to be in resentment. I mean, gosh, there's 40,000 people that starve to death every day. You're going to have resentment. So if you if you have this set of sunglasses or belief that goes resentment's bad, and you're going to have resentment anyway. Now you're resentful that you're resentful. You, you, you get like in this computer do loop, like a rat in a maze. You can't get outside of. So yes, uh, resentment is a part of this life. There's no way around it that that I'm aware of. And, and again, not everybody in the call is Christian, but um, for those of my belief, you know, it's it, Ephesians 4:26 says, uh, "Be he angry, but sin not." In other words, God says, "Go ahead and be mad. <laughs> That's okay, but sin not." In other words. Uh, watch where you take it from there. Don't miss the mark by being caught up in it. And so what happens is when you feel resentment, it's like a, a bell should go off in your head. I'm headed down this path called the three R's. I don't want to go into the second R or the third R because that's where I'm going to get hurt. If I, In other words, even take very serious things. Um, gosh, a child gets molested. I mean, the, the statistics in that now today are in the United States are incredible. It's like one out of four women, one out of ten men. Does this mean that a child shouldn't get upset at something like that? No, they have every right in the world to be upset. But if they're not careful, they'll allow it to go into resistance, they'll allow it to go into revenge, and then they pay a heavy price. They, they pay with poor relationships, uh, unfulfilled life, etc. Or or maybe they get mad at God. People go on the three hours at God all the time, cut him out of their life. So uh, it's way it's it's perfectly makes sense to be upset. But that's where you got to stop it. You got to cut it off at the knees, so to speak, and and put something into place so that so that you don't go any further into the resistance of the revenge. Well, but shouldn't we resist certain things, like a child that misbehaves or is rebellious ah. and not cooperating? No, that's the that's the amazing that's the amazing thing. One of the uh, I'm glad you asked that and because we think it's like natural, and we think 
there's another belief underneath this. Our belief systems is like a spider web. It's like when you start pulling on a string on a sweater, the whole thing comes apart. Um, there's a, uh, in our seminars, we do very interactive things because I believe that's how you change your beliefs or sunglasses. It's not by somebody talking you through it, but, but, uh, you actually have a physical experience that changes it. So, uh, if the people on the call though, uh, if you think of maybe something like Karate Kid, you know, the movie, when the master teaches the kid, he, he doesn't say, uh, let yourself get beat up, but he says, don't resist. Most martial arts, when a force is coming at you, you step out of the way to protect yourself, and then you can use that force and lay him on the ground or whatever you're going to do. Uh, an example I use in our seminars is uh, I'll, somebody will be sitting in a chair, and I'll have somebody standing behind the chair as a safety net, and I'll tell the person sitting in the chair, put your hands up. That's all I tell them, put your hands up. And when they put their hands up, then I push on them. 99 out of 100 times that I do this, the person sitting in the chair resists back. And, and I ask them, why did you resist? And they go, well, you pushed on me. Yeah, but, but, but look what happened when you resisted. Because if you think about this visually, person in the chair pushes on my hands as I'm pushing on them. And what happens? The chair goes over backwards. That's why I have a safety net, a person standing behind them. Otherwise, it'd fall over on the floor. When we resist, we lose control. That's something that uh, uh, the parents listening on the call may write down. When we resist, we lose control. But our belief system is telling us, this is why it's like a matrix that we're in, our belief system is saying you have to resist to be in control. But it's actually, reality is the exact reverse. Uh, and, and you know this with kids. You know when you and your kids get mad. Do you have any kids, Rebecca? I, don't... I do, three children. How old are they? 14, 11, and 9. Oh, great ages. Mine are getting older now. They're 26, 24, and 18. My last one is off to college this summer. And But when the kids are little, think about a parent and a child have an argument. Uh, number one, why do the kids do it? They, they have to time. Five minutes after the argument, the kids are laughing, aren't they? I mean, they're like... No big deal. And yet five hours later, the parent is still upset. Well, what's happened there is the parent is resisting what's going on. They're going, gosh, this is my kid. We're family. This shouldn't happen. We love each other. And when we're into this shouldn't happen, we're into resistance. What also happens besides losing control is it prolongs the problem. So five hours later, we're still stressed out, steam coming out of our ears. Versus watch the very small child, not when they're like 14, like that age, with yours, Rebecca, when they were really tiny, you know, two years old or whatever, when they haven't learned to resist, they just go, I was mad, next, and, and they're off it, because they've, they don't resist, and, uh, so somebody you were using earlier, what we gotta find out is, as a parent, it's not like we gotta be, uh, uh, passive doormat and let our kids run over us, but how do we not resist and stand up for our values, our belief system, whatever it is that we're promoting, you know, that the kids got to do their homework, etc. But when we start resisting their resistance, we lose control in that situation. And I, I can give you some personal examples if you want. But Please, it, can you give us some specific ways that a parent cannot resist behavior that they don't like in a child? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a, a couple here. Um 
One is I, I had a situation with my oldest son in particular. Um, uh, I grew up in a family where education was highly valued. My wife grew up in a family where it was not highly valued. None of her brothers and sisters went to college, and yet they were all very successful. So uh, they didn't see the need in it. I do. And then our oldest son uh, was the kind that just wasn't in the school. Smart, but wasn't in the school. So I resisted his not being in the school. The downside of that was it got to a point when he was about 14 that I almost put him in boarding school. I was almost like pushing him out of the family, I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, and this is a great example where our belief systems are telling us we've got to do something and the costs just keep stacking up. And here's another little one-liner that people might write down. No one changes, not your son or daughter, not you, not me, not Rebecca. No one changes until they see prices higher than they want to pay. Uh, I didn't change in this situation until uh, I started looking at all the, quote, hidden prices. Like, I was willing to pay the price of actually ostracizing my son, putting him out of the family, but I saw that it, my other two children who were into school were paying a price. My wife and I were paying a price. When I started adding up all these other prices, it was no longer a smart trade, so I stopped resisting. And, and now part of how I stopped resisting was I made it like a game in my head, and I said, look, if you, I can't stop you from doing certain things. Even something as basic or as simple as, you know, he's 14 years old, I'm five foot seven. He, by that time, was six foot, uh, 200 pounds, I'm on, big kid. He could break curfew. There's nothing I can really do, you know, and yet what was happening was I'd get mad, I'd go into the three R's. This is even after I knew the three R's. I'd, I'd get all caught up in it. He'd get caught up in it. He'd be in the three R's, blah, blah, blah. And so after examining all this, I said, you know what, I'm going to stop resisting. But how do I not resist and yet maintain my values? So several things that I did. One one time I remember distinctly, I said, Kel, that was his name, Kelly. I said, uh, you want to break curfew? Nothing I can do to stop you. I mean, you're a big kid. Nothing I can do to stop you. All I can tell you is the consequence. There are many consequences. Some of them are hidden that you can't see, but some I'm going to make real obvious. So the next time you break curfew... I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not even going to get upset. All I'm going to do is take the door off to your room. Well, wasn't but a day later, he broke curfew, sure enough. Just, you know, typical kid testing the limits. And the interesting thing was I no longer got upset. It was kind of like, uh, gosh, uh, you went down this path. Okay, then we do this. And, and so without being upset, I just took the door off his room, which, well, to a teenager, this was like, Unbelievable, no privacy. I mean, it changed, and anybody walking down the hall could see him changing. And you know, it was like, gosh, he was down on his knees begging me to put the door back. And you know, I left the door off for two, three days, and and uh, uh, put it back on. And major transformation in our relationship for several ways. I said, look, I I can't make you study. I can't do this. All I can do is point out consequences and. And, and as a parent, that's that's our not only our right, it's our obligation. We need to set up parameters to live by. And the, but then we got to realize that they're going to make their own choices. And that's that's been one of his most valuable lessons: is that every moment is a choice, and every choice has benefits and prices. You get goodies, and you get you get you get positive and negative that go along with every choice. And it's just being awake to those choices. Well, I, I throw too much out there. I feel like uh, people might be drinking from a fire hydrant here as I'm spouting off. Well, I think so. I think we definitely are taking a lot in. But, but I have a good feel now, I think our callers do too, as for what resentment is and what resistance is. But let's talk a little bit about revenge. I mean, is revenge just something big like shooting a person? 
No, no, that's and that's a uh, you know a lot of times we we kind of want to have that conception so we go oh yeah I don't do revenge but uh, revenge can be something as simple as a snide comment you know it's a little snub it's a put down it's anything where we attempt to settle the score get even um, uh, gosh in the corporate world the way it happens all the time is real simple I'm somebody's mad that they're not being paid what they feel they're worth so that now they're in resentment uh, resistance is they start uh, communicating less, and then revenge is they slow down on the job, or they call in sick when they're really not sick because the company owes it to them, or they maybe even sabotage, uh, or they take pens and pencils home that don't belong to them, or take an hour and a half lunch when they're only authorized an hour. So in the family, it's the same way. There's there's all the little things that happen between uh, uh, kids and between kids and parents where... Uh, uh, we make the other person feel bad or we get back at them in a little way, uh, not as a form of discipline, but purely because we feel not okay and we want them to feel not okay too. Let's talk a little bit about the three R's and our relationship with our spouse. What are some common ways that we, those sunglasses, those beliefs, throw us into the three R's and what are would be some um, better, healthier responses? Uh Great. Uh, let me give. Um, let me outline a couple healthy responses, and and then I'll go into an example that might make it easier. One healthy response is open, honest, responsible communication, which is a mouthful, but open, honest, responsible communication. Um, and responsible is a whole set of sunglasses. Usually, I take hours in a seminar to. Uh, go around because most people have an attachment to responsible that's heavy. It's a burden to try and get your kid to be responsible. They think, oh, uh, it's restrictive. So it's, you got to pierce that veil. And I don't want to go into that right now, but for the moment, open, honest, responsible communication is a spouse, they get mad at each other. And I'll get simple little example. Uh, if anybody's ever done personality style analysis, my wife is very analytical, uh, and I happen to be controlling style. So, this is 20 years, 20 years after, we've been married 21 years now. She's the second biggest blessing in my life. But the other day, she tells me how to take the garbage out. Very analytical. I was already taking the garbage out, uh, but I was taking it through the household, down our stairs. We have a three-story house, and I was going to take it out the garage. And she says, no, 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 no. Take the, take the garbage out the front door and down the street to the garbage can. And instantly, my 3R starts coming up. You know, because being a controller style, I don't like being told what to do. My brain is going, hey, you know what? You're lucky I'm taking out the garbage. I mean, I said that out loud, but that's what I was feeling, you know. And and uh, don't tell me how to take the garbage out. And and, uh, and she, in her mind, she had reasoning. You know, oh, gosh, if the bag breaks, it might spill on the floor. And, and me, I'm like, gosh, we've been married 20 years. Have I ever spilled garbage on the floor taking the garbage out? No, so... Why worry about it? Well, instead of uh, going into the three R's, and what typically happens then is a, is a couple won't communicate. They'll go to bed, and they're not talking to each other, and they don't have sex, and they, uh, gosh, it just it ends up ruining the whole, you know, they get the silent treatment to get each other back or denial of sex or whatever, and, and it, it's, it really affects the marriage over something as stupid as how to take the garbage out. So open, honest, responsible communication would sound like on my part, I'd go, Roma, that's my wife's name, uh, I'm irritated or I'm frustrated that you're telling me 
how to take the garbage out. So you just openly share how you're feeling. You don't blame the other person. I'm not going, Roma, you're making me mad. That would be non-responsible. I just go, Roma, I get frustrated or I am mad right now. Would you tell me how to take the garbage out? Now, when you openly, honestly, responsibly communicate, it doesn't mean the other person is going to stop doing what they're doing, that they're going to change their behavior. All it does is it gets rid of your three R's. If people caught on the very beginning of our conversation today, the three R's is self-destructive. It's like drinking poison. So I go to myself, gosh, I don't want to pay the price for being in the three R's. Let me get rid of it. It's kind of like you got a bag in your waist. What a lot of people do is they fill the bag up with all their resentments. They think to be a good person, they shouldn't be resentful, so they don't say anything and they stuff it in the bag. Well, eventually the bag becomes full and then then all of a sudden you pay a huge price. You know, you have a heart attack or you quit a relationship or a job that you don't want to. So by openly, honestly communicating, I'm getting rid of my three R's. That'll kind of like take take some of the stuff out of the bag, kind of flattens the tension out. So now... It's not going to hurt me. I go to work. I'm not still going to be stewing on that. I'm not going to be, it's, it's not going to slow me down from being creative at work. It's not going to affect me having a good time with a kid. So we still might have a problem about, you know, uh, how to take the garbage out, but at least it gets rid of the three R's. It's, that's, that's the open, honest, responsible communication, which is one way that I recommend anytime anybody feels themselves, sees themselves starting to go into the three R's, that's a great thing to do. And, and a lot of times, uh, if I can divert for a minute, everybody grows up with, again, different belief systems around there. Some people grow up that when they're mad, they shouldn't say anything. So, like, you know, the old uh, children should be seen, not heard. So, uh, gosh, you can get some people that grow up and they and then when they're mad, they don't say a word. Then you get other people that, gosh, when they're mad, they yell, scream, whatever, and they don't listen. So there's another great little technique around this called fair fighting, which I'll throw out there if I'm not overwhelming the audience too much. No, we're taking notes. We're used to it now. It's really good, Brian. And I, and I recommend people listen to this tape over and over again. And, and I also recommend to, to people, buy the whole series. You know, uh, it, there is so much. One of the things about Rebecca, she always offers more for value than she ever charges. And so I just encourage you to get the whole series. There's so many great people to learn from but listen to a tape over and over and over again and take some good notes off of it fair fighting you can only do it's a great thing with you and your kids or you and a spouse but you can only do it with somebody that agrees to doing this uh open honest communication you can do by itself with anybody an example would be i was in disneyland one time with my kids and my wife and i saw an adult do something with a child i didn't approve of i never saw this adult before in my life never seen him since but I openly, honestly, responsibly communicated to that adult how I felt about what they were doing with the child. And my wife went in the fetal position. She thought we were going to be stabbed or something. But I did it not for noble reasons. The odds are that five minutes after we left the scene, this adult might have started to go back. Hopefully, they I shocked them enough that they stopped doing what they were doing with their kid. But they might have gone back to doing it. There's a good chance. I did it for myself because if I didn't openly, honestly, responsibly communicate then the three R's would have affected me and my family as we walked about the park the rest of the afternoon. We wouldn't have had a good day. So that you can do with anybody. But this fear fighting, you you got to sit with somebody and say, hey, I want to try this fear fighting thing out. Do, do you want to try it out with me at a future time? They go, yes. Don't wait until you're in the midst of the three R's to get them to agree to it because that will never work. they got to, you know, if it's you and your spouse and nice, nice dinner, you're having a good time, that's when you set it up. Or you and your kids when you're having a good time, 
That's when you set it up. And you agree to some rules. And uh, the reason for this is most people, when they fight, they fight dirty. They fight to win at any cost. And unfortunately, they may win an argument, but they lose the relationship. So One of the rules in our, in our family, we have the rules that we're never allowed to go to bed mad and that one person is not allowed to drive off mad just in case they die in a car crash. Or yeah, something. and that's perfect because never going to bed mad, you're forcing that open, honest, responsible communication we were just talking about. And and when you say drive away mad, that's one of the problems. When you're in the three R's, you're not in the moment. So you're not present. You're with the past. You're you're with the when you were upset. And so then you're not conscious driving. And there are a lot of accidents that occur when people are in the three R's. Brian, let's talk about some um, common conflicts that come up in marriage and in families. And perhaps you can give us some ideas of a healthy response to them. Uh, for example, uh, with homeschoolers, uh, one of our biggest uh, challenges and goals is that we want the children to be motivated to learn. But what happens when we're hitting resistance? In other words, we have, we have kind of a schedule, an agenda, a goals for the day, and we want the learning to take place. What happens when we're getting some resistance from our child in that area? What would be a good response to that? Uh, the open, honest, responsible communication is a great start. Uh, for example? When you don't resist, like, in other words, let's say your your child's, like you're saying, being resistant, they're not... Well, for example, your children went to school, and perhaps there were times when they didn't want to do their homework. And for homeschoolers, it's kind of the same thing then, except yeah. it's, you know, different subjects of homework. What, what I mean by non-resistance is, if you make that situation wrong, you're doomed. You're going to lose control. Both you and your kids are going to suffer. If you go to yourself, something like this, oh, you know what? This is the perfect situation. In other words, if I don't resist that... They're, they're not studying. That doesn't mean I allow them not to study. But if I don't resist it, now I'm going, oh, you know what? There might be an opportunity for me to communicate a life lesson to my child in this kind of situation that will be as valuable as any technical knowledge they could possibly ever learn. In other words, they see how you deal with resistance. They, and so if you openly, honestly communicate, okay, I got it. You, you don't feel like studying. Let's talk about that for a minute. When you do what you feel like doing, where does that lead you? I mean, that conversation right there, oh, my gosh, if, you know, if I do what I feel like doing, I could be taking drugs. That feels good. That could end me up in a poorhouse. Uh, um, uh, if I Stephen do what Covey I feel- would say that, like you were talking, open communication, why is it that you don't want to study right now? And, you know, well, we're actively listening, and then I suppose Stephen Covey would recommend that we go for win-win then next. Uh Sometimes yes, um, and uh, and uh, I'm all for win-win. I, I'm totally in alignment with that. But also, there are certain things where I say that that, like, say when my child was breaking curfew, I don't know what really is win-win. But what I do know is, the parent, you have to establish certain rules. You have to establish it's your household that's part of your right and obligation. But if I look at it as they're in resistance, that you know what. This is a meaningful, this is just as it should be. There's something here that we, we can learn from and educate from. Now I'm open to, it's, it's a notion that I call surrender, which not surrender like giving up, but uh, acknowledging the situation as it is. Only from that point can I create. When I'm in judgment, when I think it shouldn't be this way, then I get glued to that situation and I can't change it. 
And I so, suppose understanding, too, the reasons for things. You know, for example, the children, you ask them to call uh, when they've reached some place or when they're going to be late. And we've always explained to our children, that, you know, we're not trying to control you. This is just common courtesy. When we're going to be late, we're going to call you. When you have a, a, a college roommate, you're going to call if you're going to be late because otherwise the other person worries. And, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with control. <laughs> control is like a gear in a car. Sometimes you need it to go uphill, and sometimes it's bad because, like, first gear will ruin a transmission if you're racing down a highway. So sometimes with kids, you know, you tell them, look, you may not like this, but, yes, I am controlling. That's, 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 that's the way it's got to be. Now the question is, how are you and I going to deal with it given that, that, you know, and how can we deal with it? So I think one thing is, is important is simply point out consequences. And and uh, and then following through like you did with the door. Yeah, here's here's the consequences if you do this, and here's the I do a thing with teenagers sometimes called the ninety ten rule. I, I basically tell them tell me all the stuff that you like doing, and if it's moral ethical, I put it above the line. If it's not moral or immoral or unethical, then I put it below the line. And when they see everything up on a flip chart, they see that gosh, ninety percent of the stuff they like to do is above the line. And I say, basically, if you give up this 10% below the line, you get to enjoy everything above the line. But if you're not willing to give up this 10%, you'll lose all the stuff above the line. And, and, and so all of a sudden, when they start seeing consequences in a simple format like that, then they're willing to, uh, that's all. It's like they're making choices around those consequences. But a lot of consequences are hidden. That's, that's where people get into trouble. You know, they, they don't see the consequence, so they make an unwise choice. You know, I just love the whole uh, sunglasses story, that analogy. Let's talk a little bit about what are some uh, common belief systems, maybe some that we might label as unhealthy or not necessarily uh, belief systems that will work very well for you, and how do we get rid of them? Gosh, you, uh, you have a belief system that uh, you have to be in control. Uh, you have a belief system where uh, you need to resist to be in control. You have a belief system uh again uh, we have different faiths on the call and i do seminars all around the world uh, muslim countries everywhere but uh people of my faith sometimes you can't be spiritual and have money so yeah. then they start sabotaging their uh income you have belief systems that uh i have to know what to do before i'm willing to commit to it i have a tape in a in a series uh called pursuit and practice of personal mastery where i spent about an hour on going over a belief system that you don't have to know how to do anything to do it. You, you can, I just took a guy that uh, bought an $830,000 house in Marin County when he had no money. He, he didn't know how to buy it, didn't have a solution for coming up with a down payment. And uh, So there's, there's, uh, there's a, we could go on and on and on about belief systems. Uh, most of them we get, uh, about half of them you get when you're young, when you're under eight. Uh, we just kind of absorb them. You get, you get, I was working with a teenager the other day. The kid is a sharp kid. He's 22 years old. Uh, he has his own consulting software company. Bought a home. Made $90,000 in two years on the home. Uh, sharp, sharp kid. But I was working with the money. Just bought a BMW. I said, why'd you buy the BMW? I'm not against BMWs. My wife has one. But my, my concern was that he had been brainwashed by society into being a consumer. You know, mm-hmm. I said, hey, tell me what else you do with your money. Do you give to the poor? Do you do this? Do you do that? Or or have you adopted a set of sunglasses where you just buy because that's what you've seen on TV so much? And that's what your your kids. So there's a, there's a, 
there's so many belief systems that trip us up that would use up a whole phone call. But the way you get rid of your sunglasses, this is something that I'd encourage the listeners to write down. Yes, please. I'm going to ask you that next. You said it was easy to get rid of these sunglasses. What do we do? Well, I won't say easy, but I'll, but I'll say simple and it can be quick. I'll, I'll distinguish what I mean there in a moment. The way you get rid of your sunglasses is two things. Repetition and emotional involvement. Best is a combination of the two. Repetition and emotional involvement. And they work very much like a balance scale, meaning if you have a lot of emotional involvement, you need very little of the other. Repetition. Translation. You can change overnight in seconds. If you don't have much emotional involvement, you need a lot of the other. Repetition. Uh, if you think of... Uh, Sometimes uh, speakers will say it takes 21 days to change a habit. I think that's a bunch of bunk. I don't know who made that up. A lot of people repeat it because it sounds cute. But go to any uh, uh, workout place, a gym or something like that, one of these health clubs, and ask them how many people enrolled at the beginning of this year. If they're honest with you, they give you a number. Great. How many people worked out all of January, all of February, and all of March? That's 90 days, way more than 21 and then ask how many people quit the health club after working out for three months. And it's an astounding number. Well, the reason is there's some emotion in working out, but not much. So since there's not much emotion working out, what is it going to take a lot of? Repetition. Way longer than 21 days. Try months, if not years. And so if you up the amount of emotion, let's say somebody has a heart attack. I'm not recommending people do, but it's that's a pretty emotional experience. You don't have to have as many heart attacks before you start working out or changing what you're eating. Although, I have, <clears throat> I've been in the hospital, maybe you have too, seeing people that have had a stroke or heart attack, and within seconds, days, they're putting fatty food in their face or smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful our belief systems are. So I'm encouraging people, listen to this, uh, we have interactive seminars, and the reason they're interactive where people do stuff is because if you read a book and that's all you do, the tendency is it goes to your head. It doesn't go to your heart. How you get things from the head to the heart is by having an experience. You have an interactive, emotional, physical experience, and it takes less of that to change. You can change quicker. And so uh, they could go to our website, clemmer.com, K-L-E-M-M-E-R, clemmer.com, and check out any of the, the you know, we have a one-night thing, a little, uh, we call it a champion's workshop, where uh $20 for a ticket in advance, people can check us out. And it's a, it's a great little workshop, three hours long, one evening. In fact, I'm going to ask you about that because you came to my local town as well. But I want to go back. One of, um, I love your book, If How-Tos Were Enough, We Would All Be Skinny, Rich, and Happy. Why aren't how-tos enough, and how do we reverse that? How do we become skinny, rich, and happy? <laughs> if if how-tos were enough, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy. Talk to any person, and I know a lot of them, that put on the infomercials at night, how to make money in real estate, how to make money in stocks, how to this. And the mind-boggling thing is that so many of them uh, never do a deal. They never do a stock transition. They never do a real estate transition. Why? Because the belief systems short-circuit the process. Uh, They tell them it's too scary. They tell them it's too this, too that. And so they they never do a deal. Gosh, Tony Robbins in one of his uh, tape series says, uh, which astounded me when I first, but it's true, is that he said only 10% of the people that buy this tape set are going to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> it's just, so it's, uh, 
you can know how to you can know a great mechanism but if the if the commitment behind it or the uh, or the and I'll just say it that way for the moment if the commitment behind it is not proper the best mechanism in the world isn't going to work in fact in in uh organizational development theory there's some called constraint theory two things that limit any organization uh is the systems and then the people you can have the best system in the world if you don't have the right people you're not going anywhere and vice versa have the best people and poor systems you're not going anywhere so people need the right belief system behind the right technique they do need a good technique if they if they don't have a good technique it's like the old uh, Stephen Covey chopping at a at a tree with a dull knife instead of having a chainsaw you need a good technique but unless you have the right mindset or sunglasses uh, you, you're never going anywhere. And that's why character development is so important. That's, uh, uh, you can be the best skilled person in the world, but if you don't have the right character, you don't have the persistence, you don't have the, uh, the honesty, you don't have the, uh, the loving nature, you don't have all the character qualities, you're, you're, you're really not going anywhere. You have to know what you want, why you want it, and then take action. Yeah, very much so. Now, so then the people who are listening to this call and the people who are listening to this CD, uh, what would you suggest then? How do we make change, in this, and particularly to make our marriages fantastic and to make our relationships with our children even richer? Uh, let me make a couple offers uh, for the homeschool group. One is what I'll call a no-brainer, which uh, means you really don't even have to think about it. Um, uh and this applies, and I'm going to do this on first just because it will help people no matter where they live. Uh, we have a series of books and tapes. There's a, uh, it could be CDs or tapes, and they, uh, there's a 10 one-hour each, uh, 10 one-hour uh, audio cassettes or CDs that deal with different topics. Three R's is one of them. Responsibility is one of them. Life things that people uh, need. There's that one normally retails for $120. They can get discounts at a, an event for, I think, $99. The deal I'd like to make with people uh, uh, that are listening to this and call our 1-800 number. They'd have to call our 1-800 number. I don't think they can get this through the Internet yet, although it might be up and running in a week or so. In fact, I have your number here, Brian. Let me say that nice and loudly so people can hear it. Great. It's 1-800-577-5447. And your website is www.clemmer, and that is spelled K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. So here's the no-brainer offer. If they buy the $99 uh, tape set and say homeschool, they call our 800 number and say homeschool, uh, or your name, Rebecca, then we'll send them not only that uh, 10 one-hour series, Pursuit and Practice of Personal Mastery, We'll send them another series uh, that's a, a $80 series on money, all around belief systems around money, which tends to be a leash that holds people back. Plus, we'll send them a uh, uh, copy of both my books, the If How-Tos Were Enough Would All Be Skinny, Rich, and Happy, and the one uh, When Good Intentions Run Smack in a Reality, 10 Ways to Get Yourself Unstuck, plus two single CDs, one on reframing your whole viewpoint towards problems or obstacles, and one on 20 stories like the dogs and bones story that I told at the beginning of this. I don't know whether that got recorded or not. Uh, but 20 animal stories with a message. It's about $250 worth of tapes. I'll send them all that for $99 plus I'll send them two tickets to a live event 
three hours uh, called Champions Workshop that we probably do 10 of those around the country uh, every single month. So uh, within a two, three-month period, there'd be something near them to uh, attend. Well, thank you very much for the discount. We appreciate it. A lot of homeschoolers, uh, some homeschoolers give up income and even you know jobs in order to stay home with their children at least part-time. So I know that they'll be very grateful for that. That would be a, a library that uh, they can use for a year. The other thing that I'd like to mention, if there's any homeschooler that – uh, would like me to speak in their hometown, there's a way you can do it for free. Uh, call our 800 number and ask to speak to uh, Steve in our marketing department. He'll explain how you can do that. And, you know, some of the homeschooling conventions are quite large, too, with 10,000 people in the audience. I should talk to you about that. I haven't really even Yes, I'm thinking that. some of our listeners, too, you know, run um, homeschooling conferences. You know, feel, feel free to invite uh, Brian to be a speaker at your event as well. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, Brian, do you mind if, I know there's so many people on the call, but I think that they're going to have some questions for you, some personal questions. Do you mind if we open it up and see if we can take some questions? I'd love to. Go for okay. it. Hold it down. Hello, everyone. First question for Brian Clemmer. We're talking about how to better your marriage and your relationship with your children. We're having that weird um, silence again. Thank you. If you want to have a question for Brian, go ahead and press star six to come out of mute mode. And then we'll be able to hear you, and then you can go back into mute mode. Thank you. Go ahead. I can hear you're trying to come out of mute mode. Do you have a question for Brian? I had the operator go in there, Brian, by hand to get rid of the noise, and I wonder if she's made it so that they cannot come on live onto the call now. Uh, Everyone... Yeah, I don't Hello, know. Brian? Ah, yes, yes. Hello, I hear thank somebody. You. Go for it. Yes, um... I'd just like to know, how do you handle, my daughter doesn't seem to be motivated right now for homeschooling. Uh, she's 13, and all I keep getting from everyone is, oh, she's 13, let her go this, let her do her thing. I, as a mother, can't let her do her thing. How do I get her to motivate her to do her schoolwork without always fighting and pulling with her? And being on her back, it's an excellent question. It sure is. And, and number one, I agree with you. You don't want to just let people do their own thing. I have a de definition of a leader, that a leader interferes in other people's lives and causes them to do what they otherwise would not do towards what matters to them. Now, them is the other person. That's servant leadership. If you just interfere for your own reasons, that's manipulative. But uh, to directly answer your question, I would make a game out of it. People, you know, there's the old pain and pleasure principle, carrot and the stick, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you can make a game out of it where they get a reward uh, if they do certain things and they also pay a price if they don't. And you can even have them participate in uh, making up the price. You can have them participate in making up the reward. And, and they go, oh, okay, so, so that they know there's a bite if they don't do something and there's a reward if they do it. It's a, it's a double whammy. There's also if you happen to get either my book, If How-Tos Were Enough, or the tape series, there's a whole uh, one-hour lesson on something called intention. When you do this kind of thing and you put a a uh, a bite into it like that, and you also employ some other things, like they make a promise to you as to what's going to happen, uh, it reaches out around their conscious mind so that their subconscious and other forces come into play 
that create solutions that their conscious mind hasn't even thought of. And once they start putting that to work, it really does get to be game. It's fun. Then they start solving things. But I'd, I'd set up a, okay, here's the little chunk for today. You do this and, and you get a gold star. Turn five gold stars in. Gold stars is too cute for, uh, a 13 year old. You gotta make it, uh, uh, more meaningful that. But I would, I would put a reward and a penalty system in a place and I would keep it on a very, do it two ways. I'd do a short leash, like just for the day kind of thing for the week. But then I'd have a big reward somewhere at the end. If you don't do it short, um, they can get off track, and it doesn't seem like they're off track much. It's kind of like a plane being off track only a degree. But if it's off a degree for five hours, gosh, you're going to miss the city you were in by hundreds of miles. And so uh, you want to keep them on track on a short leash, uh, but have it cumulative so it builds up. They see some immediate rewards, and they see a big reward at the end of the tunnel. But they also, if they don't, then they're going to pay. They're going to lose certain privileges. They're going to lose certain benefits that they have. You know, whether it's uh, they do this, they get to stay up later. Whether it's they get to watch more TV, they get to do a PlayStation. They, you know, then eventually you buy them a PlayStation. Whatever you can, uh, you can create your own reward system that motivates them, and their own penalty system that motivates them. Does that help at all? And with homeschoolers, we're lucky too, is that we can tie this in with the natural flow of the day. For example, is we're going to go swimming as soon as all of our studies are done. And we'll invite friends to come over as soon as the studies are done. And we'll go to the movies after the studies are done. There you go. Thank you for that excellent question. Next question, please. This is, we only have time for one more because I really would like Brian to tell us some more about his books, too, and about the audio program. Hello? Hello? Yes, hello. We can hear you. Go ahead. Hi. Um, what do you do if you have about like the 14-year-old range, and you see that they are kind of stuck in that 3R mode, how do you teach them what that is and not to live their life stuck in the resentment and the resistance and the revenge? That's a that's a, another great question. Uh, I would recommend, uh, we do have teenage seminars, and we have 5- to 12-year-old seminars as well as adult seminars. You can check that out on the web. But I would, as a start, just have them listen. Say, look, I want you to listen to this tape on the three R's if you buy the package we talked about, or read this chapter, just this one chapter of this guy's book. It'll take you 15 minutes. It's literally no longer than that, the one chapter on it. And then let's have a conversation. And then I would have a non-judgmental, exploratory conversation where you're open and vulnerable and talking about things and believe me, the kids will open right up. And I, I, you know, I, I married my wife 21 years ago. She was a single mother with two kids, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, alcoholic, uh, natural father. Uh, so we had many conversations and they had many experiences because they've all been through our kids class, teen class and adult class. Uh, so it's not like a, a it's not like, okay, we talk about it once and we're done. This will be something that once you have common languaging even, you can just go to your kids. Hey, do you think we're in the three R's right now? Oh, my gosh, yeah. That'll short-circuit hours, if not days, uh, of them, and, it, and it'll give you a launching place to go from, the common languaging. So as a minimum, have them, have them read the book or listen to the tape and then start having discussions around it. And the, the key the- there is they've got to see that it hurts them. When they see that it hurts them, that's when they'll stop, you know, but only they, they'll keep doing something to the day they die if they don't see the price they're paying. Could you tell us about the package again, Brian, and how to order it? Sure. they got to call 
1-800-345-447, and they just say that they want the homeschool package. And the homeschool package will be uh, one of each of my books, if how-tos were enough, would all be skinny, rich, and happy, that the three R's is in, plus a book called uh, When Good Intentions Run Smack in a Reality. Ten things you can do when you get stuck. You're stuck with your kid trying to get him motivated. There's ten different places that you can go to get unstuck. Uh, it'll include a ten-hour audio cassette program, uh, Pursuit and Practice Personal Mastery, that goes into sunglasses around responsibility, commitment, goal setting, you name it. Not the techniques of goal setting, but belief systems around it. Uh, then another whole set, eight-hour set on uh, money, mastery of money it's called, plus another tape called Overcoming Obstacles. Everybody's got obstacles. The minute you have a goal, you have an obstacle. And so how to reframe obstacles as a good thing instead of a bad thing, not being Pollyannish about it, but uh, actually frame it in a way that will work for you. And then 20, a CD on 20 animal stories. So it's, it's like $250 worth of tapes plus two tickets to our – uh, one night event, which is, uh, $20 each if bought in advance. They're actually $60 if bought at the door. So you get two free tickets, about $250 of tapes, and it's all for $99. Well, that's excellent, Brian. Thank you very they gotta much. They gotta stay homeschool, though. Otherwise, they have to stay homeschool. They have to stay homeschool. This is not a package we normally offer. That's why it's not on the website. Uh, this is way more than you can get on our website. Go ahead and check it out if you doubt, doubt me. And do you mind if a family uh, shares the expense of another family and then no. they pass materials around? No, they no, they can pass it around all they want. So yeah, one of them somehow they got to call in the credit card or something like that to cover the the set, and then they can split it up, share it however they want. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much for being with us this last hour. We've been talking with Brian Clemmer, uh, internationally recognized. I don't want to use the word motivational speaker but certainly an expert on character development and helping us improve our marriages and our relationships with our children. Uh, this interview ends our uh, first week of Homeschool.com's 2005 live homeschooling teleconference. Uh, we'll be taking a break tomorrow and this weekend and coming back next Monday with 16 more live interviews. I will send you the speaker bios and the schedule again this weekend so that you can learn more about our speakers, their background, and what they have to offer. Uh, next week, we'll be speaking with Wally Famous Amos, who's an excellent motivational speaker that's going to help us, as you said, motivate our children to uh, love learning. We're going to be speaking about uh, when times get tough with homeschooling and also uh, how to complete high school in half the time. That's just a couple of the 16 interviews. So uh, please go and order the recordings as soon as you can. We'll have the page up, the revised page up this afternoon. That way you'll give me a little notice as to how many copies we need to make, which I really appreciate. And I'm going to open up the call now, and if you will come out of mute mode, press star six so that you can say goodbye and thank you to our guest, Brian Clemmer. Brian, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. You make a difference. I appreciate that about you. Wonderful. Thank you very much. We're now we're going to have to apply the knowledge that we've learned here today. You got it. And Take thank care. you very much for the package. That was really nice of you. I, I know what your prices are. I've seen it before, and that, you're very generous. We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Rebecca. Okay. Thank you.